Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. All right, folks, welcome to a bonus episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I got the Ginger Bow Hunter here with me, and this is a new uh, installment we're going to start doing, I guess, every Thursday or Friday, um, where the whole the whole premise of the show is getting, uh, of the regular podcast, but this too, is getting people on who are relatable with like the average Southern guy. And there's nothing more relatable than a guy who has been you know, trying to figure it out for a while, and then it clicks, and he, he goes out and he has success. So we're going to start doing our listener success stories as a little mini episode every week. Yep. Like, so the listener success story is kind of what this is for anyone who's followed along with us so far, especially over last year, which is kind of when we started this. Uh, any of the listeners that have success, you know, killing deer on public, private land, whatever, but using tactics from the podcast, uh, you know, we've been sharing those, um, those kind of posts. And Derek, who we have on the line here, you're one of these guys as well, and you're going to be our first guest on this kind of mini-series we're doing called Listener Success Stories, which we're going to try to drop every week uh, as long as we have listener success stories to drop. But right now, we've got about seven to eight that we're sitting on at this moment. Uh, so, Derek, we're happy to have you on, man. Uh, and, Derek, you're coming in from the state of Alabama, great state of Alabama, deep south, uh, and you just had some awesome success on a great public land buck, man. Actually, me and Andrew were freaking jealous. I was showing him the photos <laughs> today, and he's like, man, I want a buck like that. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> like, I want one of those. Yes. So, Derek, uh, just to kind of introduce yourself, uh, let me ask, uh, I'm going to just kind of ask you, how long have you been a listener of the show, uh, and also, how long have you been hunting public land in the state? of alabama yeah man uh thanks for having me on i'm 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 pumped you know i'm excited excited about the about the uh the harvest and and you know getting to tell my story hunting in northeast alabama and i've been hunting public land five six years Uh, i've been hunting wmas for the last two years three years and and i'm loving it uh you know i had uh made the transition to public land uh just really for the challenge of it all. And also, Derek, so how long have you been a listener to the podcast? I've been listening to your podcast um, back first of the year. It was after deer season. You had made some posts on Facebook. I, I was I was actually friends with you on Facebook or uh, had liked your page and watched some of the YouTube videos. And uh, I never listened to a podcast before. And so when you guys uh, had posted on Facebook, I, I clicked link and listened to podcast and really liked it and so just really started diving in and and listening to more and more and i've spent a lot of time listening to the southern outdoorsman sweet well so out of all the ones that you've listened to which ones would you say have been the most helpful for you well i mean obviously there's there's a lot of great information you know some of the obviously some of the classics you guys have had on there uh, michael perry glenn solomon rich fraught um jeff homan i mean there's a lot of big names on there these guys have killed a lot of big deer once i really started listening to some of these you know these guys that i feel like i could relate to you know i was i, I sit there and take notes pause it rewind it you know, I mean, I know you guys like to dive into it, but I wanted to break these things down and put it down so that way I could really 
see how you, you know because it's hard to remember all this stuff you know when because there's so much content that really gets pumped into some of these videos that you know I, I really had to start writing some of this stuff down because i would listen to so many and it's like i would forget who said it or specific things about it and so you know i really started uh trying to keep notes on what a lot of these guys were saying and doing and I think Michael Perry's, I've listened to his video several, uh, several times. I've listened to Glenn's over and over. And then that guy, you know, he's, he's a legend in my book. I, I, you know, I know he, he, you know, recently passed away, but man, I'm, I, I, I feel honored just to listen to his story. Of course. Well, Derek, man, let's get into a little bit of kind of this success that you've had, you know, on, uh, this last buck that you killed uh, on some public land in Alabama. Um, Walk us through kind of how did the podcast change your thought process when it came to hunting public land that kind of helped uh, kind of put the pieces together for this buck? I'd say it really started clicking when, you know, I started really kind of utilizing some of that uh, that you talked about, some of the, the, the topo maps and really learning how to use a top, you know, a top graphic map. Um, you know, learning, learning the terrain features that you guys are always talking about, um, you know, just, you know, just all the different, you know, ridges and military crests and, you know, saddles and just all these terms that, you know, I, I hear you guys talking about, but, you know, really getting in there and kind of learning what these specific terrain features are and then how to utilize them. Because, you know, it's, you know, even, even the areas that I had picked out, you know, that I've hunted for years, you know, once I really started looking at Cal Topo and, and kind of seeing why they're using a certain area or how they're using that area, you know, when you look at, you, you know, these terrain features, you really can kind of dive in deeper and start understanding why they're crossing, you know, this ridge or, you know, why they're crossing here rather than just saying, oh, yeah, well, I know they're coming through, you know, they're using this ridge and just kind of hanging and hoping now you can really understand okay, they're going to, they're passing right through the saddle right here. And, and so, you know, once I started learning that, I started putting cameras in those areas and I, and I was really able to immediately start seeing more and more mature game. And that's really what my focus was because, you know, I mean, I've killed a lot of deer on public land, but nothing to write home about, you know, one of the things that you had said going in with the mindset of, you know, Hey, I'm not, not just going out here to sit and watch, you know, um, you know, you're going in to kill deer. Well, I've had that mindset for a long time. And so my mindset now this year was really, I'm tired of just killing deer. I want to target specifically mature deer. That's when, you, you know, that's where listening to the podcast has really helped me because I was able to start figuring out how, or where these mature deer are using these areas, staying out of the pretty woods and, and getting in deeper and looking for thicker, you know, bedding areas and, you know, feed trees and, and, and really being able to utilize these, um, these areas and some of the information that, you know, these guys are putting out, you know, that immediately helped me start seeing more mature deer on camera, uh, which I was then able to kind of start backtracking those deer and see, how they're using these areas, when they're using these areas. And then obviously as, as these food sources change, you got, you know, I'm, you know, I'm able to, to, to adjust my cameras accordingly. I, I've got some, some deer that I've had targeted since summer that I've been 
moving my camera all around this area, these areas. Fortunately, this one that, uh, you know, I was, I was blessed to harvest, you know, he, he wasn't one that I'd even, you know, I had, was even targeting, um, had never even been to that area before. And I just knew it was an area that I wanted to scout. And, uh, you know, the weather conditions that day were terrible. It was hot, 80 degrees, wind was swirling. I wasn't too excited about hunting and I, and I definitely wasn't going to go in there and, and blow out one of, you know, one of my target deer i went to an area that uh i really was just playing on scouting um you know knew there were some hogs in the area so i had decided to take my bow with me just kind of started walking and 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 of course there was an area that on caltapa that i had you know kind of identified as a uh you know as a thermal hub there were three or four ridges all coming together right at this you know down into this bottom area and so you know looking at caltapo it looks great you look at satellite, it looks terrible. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm like, all right. So, you know, a lot of, and you know, there's a lot more out of town folks starting to come and hunt these WMAs. And so, uh, you know, I look at it like, okay, well, you know, I can see what they're going to be looking for right off the bat. You know, they're looking for these clear cuts and things like that. But one thing that I have learned is that most of your satellite maps are, are, are two or three year old or more images and so unless you are driving through these areas and you're putting boots on the ground a lot of times you may not know that they've logged these areas or thinned you really can't see on aerial images you know where they they thin these pines and uh you know so really getting in there and, and just putting some boots on the ground burning some tread and uh you know that's what that's what i was doing that's what i was doing tuesday and well i had hiked maybe maybe a mile and a half, you know, I was slow, just kind of creeping around looking and, and, you know, looking for sign and, and wasn't in any hurry. So it was probably like three hours. I had made it a mile and a half had kind of gotten down to the ridge. And this was a, about a 1200 foot descent down to the bottom there. You, you know, once I got about, oh, I'd say about a third of the way down, I started seeing, you know, seeing fresh sign. Uh, seeing some tracks through there, I can see that there's white oaks or, you know, there were several white oaks on the side of this ridge. I'm like, okay, this, this is looking good. This is looking real good. Well, so, wait, can you, can you dive into that, that habitat a little bit? Uh, so, I know you said it was a thermal hub you were going into, but was there anything else about the spot on the map that tipped you off to that, that being a good area? Was there anything on the satellite photo? Like, could you see the oaks or were you going in based solely off that terrain feature? I was going, but I was going in solely based on the train features, because if you look at the aerial map, it's not any, it's no, it's somewhere I would have never, I, I would, I, you know, I would have never put a foot on the ground out there. You know, it just, it's just wide open, you know, woods and uh, it, there's, it just doesn't look good even on a, on a satellite map. And so, but if you look at Caltapo, you know, I'm sitting there looking at it like, this could be a good area. I mean, it's not as it's not as defined of an area that I would look for, you know, for one of these these thermal hubs. But uh, you know, it looked like it could be okay, and I wanted to check the area out just because I'd never I'd never scouted that area. I drove through there in the summer, you know, and thought, hey, I want to get back out here, you know, one day when I got time and 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 scout the area. But um, you know, it really wasn't an area that I was, you know, super pumped about. So I was solely 100% going in there based on uh, Caltapa. I want to back up a second. And you were talking about how you started targeting 
for like running trail cameras, some of these thermal hubs, or like what Josh Driver would say, like a thermal hub, like where you have a bunch of different ridges dropping down into one central point or one area. A bowl. Yeah, Andrew calls it a bowl. That's very traditional. I've had a lot of guys call it yes. a bowl. I grew up calling it a bowl. Um, you started running cameras there, and what clicked compared – one thing I want to try to figure out is what clicked over the last six months compared to what you had done previously – that you've learned a lot in the last six months when it comes to running cameras and finding more of these mature deer than what you have done in the past? Location. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, before I would, you know, if it was a, a trail or I'd see a rub or a scrape or something, you know, I might stick a camera up there and just see what's in the area. It was really more of a, it, it was more of taking inventory than really utilizing as a, as a, as a tool um, to help you find and and understand these deer movement. Uh, I just really want to know if there was, you know, a buck in the area. Um, And so once I, you know, started taking it from a, uh, taking inventory to, all right, well, I'm getting this buck, but he's only showing up every three or four days. Why? Or uh is is only using this area for a certain wind and so you know i would start going back and on those days that i would i would you know i had pictures um you know i'd start taking notes of you know what uh what direction the wind was blowing from and which way he came from on the pictures and so that helped me start you know backtracking more or kind of moving my cameras around until i could figure out really their travel patterns and how they're using uh using these areas you know based on really a lot of you know the one of the things that i'm focusing on more and more are are these terrain features um you know these saddles these 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 thermal hubs these bowls and and the ridge points um and and figuring out how they're using it more than just hey there's deer here let me put this looks like a good spot let me stick you know i'm gonna climb here you know let me stick a camera here to really kind of diving into it and 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 using it as a as a tool yeah it's it's you you said this earlier especially i think before we started uh, recording but it's the difference between hanging and hoping and hanging and hunting or hang and right. kill. You <laughs> yeah. know, I think Richard Fott talks about that a lot on his episode, which I think is episode, the, the second one we had him on was episode 118. We had him on, um, I think it's like episode 95 previously. Um, but he talks about that all the time. He's like, you know, he doesn't hang in hope. He's he's hanging to kill or he's hanging in a spot that he has a very high odds because of the sign there. And he talks about MSR, or I mean, uh, um, uh, most recent sign. Yeah. MRS, uh, most recent sign mm-hmm. and paying attention to that. And you brought that up earlier before we started recording, which is such, it's just so important because I think a lot of guys, until you've heard that from somebody, it's something that doesn't come to their mind. Because when I first talked to Richard, I never really paid attention to a whole bunch of that. You know, the most recent sign, right. you, you see deer sign, mm-hmm. but what's the most yeah, recent find a sign? rub from last year? Like, Oh, here's a rub. Yeah. You know, or just like feed sign. I mean, he talks about feed trees so much and that played a huge factor into you killing that buck along with kind of paying attention to the, you know, the <clears throat> thermal hubs and all these transition areas that you were able to find on a topo map. Um, so, so let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Let me ask kind of in the past, I mean, were you familiar kind of with feed trees and what to look for, for that? Or were you just kind of like myself? Where I, when I started hunting oaks, I just found oaks that were dropping, just hung and saw what happened. Um, so, I mean, w- w- were you kind of already kind of um, accustomed to hunting feed trees and l- knowing what to look for? 
To an extent, yes. Um, you know, I was hunting oak trees. I was looking for, uh, especially in the early season, you know, I was focused on, on, on feed trees, um, or, or food sources, but, um, I would say, you know, more so this year than ever, um, have I really tried to, um, learn exactly what these acorns are because there's a big difference between just saying, oh yeah, there's acorns here and they're tearing them up. You know, let me hunt here to saying, oh yeah, this is a white oak or this is a red oak or this is a mountain oak or, you know, I mean, there's oaks everywhere, but you know, when you, when you really can figure out, and it's hard, it, it's really hard to try and identify some of these different oak trees because there's, you know, it might be a white oak, but you know, there's, three, four, five different species of, of white oak. So if you're trying to go in there and look at just leaves or just bark, I mean, it gets really kind of confusing. And so, uh, you, you know, you talk about MRS and, uh, you know, you, you always use, you use that word, uh, you know, it looks like somebody ran a tiller underneath it. That is something, like you said, until somebody says it, does that really click? Because I'm hunting areas that, oh yeah, I'm seeing sign. There's tons of sign. I mean, there's rubs and scrapes everywhere, but is it's not necessarily the most recent sign. And so, uh, you know, that was something that I had had focused on. And that was exactly was part of the success I had, uh, you know, harvesting this deer was, um, you know, like I said, I wasn't necessarily going in there to hunt deer. I was really just going in there to scout. But, you know, as I got down this ridge, I was seeing really recent sign. And I mean, they had this area tore up, you know, and, and, it, and it was like once I got, and was standing at that spot, I, you know, I pulled out, you know, I pulled out my phone and, and I'm, and I'm looking at Cal Topo because, you know, out there, his service just doesn't exist, but you can still use these, these topo maps, uh, even when you don't have service. And so, you know, I'm sitting there standing at, you know, halfway down this ridge and I'm at this ridge point and I'm looking at, 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 at Cal Topo and I'm like, man, this is exactly where I wanted to come. And, uh, it is, it, they, they had this, these, you know, all these white oaks, uh, it was just dotted down the side of this ridge. And I mean, they had it tore up. It was, it, it just looked like somebody I, I'd never, I, I don't know if I've ever paid it, if I just hadn't ever paid attention to it or what, but I'm not sure I've ever seen just in an area that had just been, it looked like somebody was, was digging in the area with a shovel and just throwing dirt out um now i gotta ask and, uh, was i know this is a real mountainous area that you're in very rugged steep country was this feed sign yeah. in a bottom on top of a ridge or on a slope so at this point this is i would say on the side of a ridge um but it's kind of in in the in the kind of side of a draw where these where these two ridge points are are coming together and you've got this valley um i don't know what that uh, a, a draw or whatever. Um, yeah, like a like a no, slight uh, draw, kind of cutting up the side of the mountain. Well, it's it's it. Well, it's it, yeah. It, I mean, it's uh yeah. It, it's literally just um uh you know a, a valley between these two ridge points is there because they're coming together. You know, I mean, it's it's two ridge points that are kind of coming together in this in this in this bowl, and so um right there between the two um ridges and so right down along the side of that ridge um you, you know were all of these uh wide oak it was uh yeah it's very steep uh, you know you had said it looked like you were in a tree stand i was like no nah, man i was sitting on the ground it was just straight down it, once i got in that area i i just I, man i gotta sit down right here and and i did that's i just sat on the ground with my crossbow and 
hour later, 13 point buck walked out. <laughs> wow. So, so, I mean, I'm assuming one, was this an afternoon hunt and two, where did this buck come from? Yeah. So it, it was an afternoon hunt. Um, I got out of the, I got out of the truck about 12 o'clock and I found this spot about three o'clock. Um, and so I sat down, well, I, it was probably about three thirty when I found that spot. Cause when I sat down, um, it was, uh, it, you know, like I said it was about an hour later, but what happened and it's, and it's cause when I go back and I watch the footage, I'm, I'm fairly certain he was bedded down right in that bowl. It, it kind of right at the very bottom of this ridge point. I'm not a hundred percent because it is kind of a grainy video. Um, but he either, it, it, you know, I watch him watching it frame by frame and I can't tell if it's a shadow him walking up or if it's him standing up, but I'm fairly certain. I, I want to say he was bedded down right there, you know, a hundred yards down in front of me. And so what happened was, well, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Derek, Derek, we got, we got to cut you off right there, dude. We, we, we about to talk a little bit more about <laughs> also, this. You could send me that footage and I can blow it up and, and play the contrast. I'd probably be able to send you a clear video on whether or not, but what were you saying? Yeah. Jacob? Uh, so, so Derek, so one thing you, you brought that up how you think he was bedded in that bowl. For anyone that has not watched the the last two videos from THP, the hunting public, you got to go pause the podcast, go watch those two videos cuz Aaron, they bump a ginormous buck in a bowl just like this, like what you're talking about feeding underneath some red oaks now up in Iowa and they bump it and it kind of eases off and you know they swing back back around the uh, the next day and, and kill it in a different Shoot spot. Shoot it at 10 feet eye level on the ground. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But uh anyways, but Derek you know, with you talking about like him possibly feeding, or you think he possibly was bedded somewhere down in that bowl. That was probably makes sense from what um, from what Aaron was talking about in that video. For anyone that hasn't watched the video, Aaron's talking about how they're bedding really close to that early season feed sign, um, and kind of in areas that aren't overly thick. You know, just having a, just enough cover because they haven't been pressured a whole bunch in early season. Don Cicero said the same thing in his episode he did with us. Don Cicero, yeah, yeah he ex- said well, exactly. He and, said early season they're not going to be in the thickets like you think they would be. Yeah, they're kind of more down the bottoms, kind of feeding, bedding very close to the feed sign, and that makes perfect sense for kind of where you're at and from what you think might have happened you know with him standing up so that is super cool when you said that i got all excited i mean i was already kind of excited but i got real excited right then and there uh, dude. Yeah. um let me ask you brought up earlier that i wanted you to kind of continue kind of what happened but you brought up earlier that the wind was swirling really bad did you i don't know if you had milkweed or just a, like a like the the um the dust bottle or whatever what was the wind kind of doing and how did you kind of set up for the wind yeah, so, and that was actually part of the whole reason why I had to sit there was because once I got down, uh, you, you know, I was probably, a, you know, once I really started seeing the sign, I was probably halfway down this ridge. But, you know, again, I wasn't really planning on hunting. So once I got about about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the way down this ridge, um, the wind is just blowing right in my face. Um, and it, uh, you know, I put a, did a scent check with its, I don't even know what brand it is, but yeah, it's just one of the little squeeze bottles. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, the wind was blowing straight back up behind me, straight up the ridge. And so uh, I was sitting there thinking, man, the wind is perfect right here. This is exactly where I, I was wanting to be. There's fresh sign everywhere. 
like, man, this is exactly what I was hoping to see. And so, yeah, that's the, while the wind was swirling everywhere else, once I got down, kind of dropped in elevation there and, and it could have just been the wind changed. But once I got down there, it was really, I think, kind of getting funneled between some of these, uh, was kind of getting funneled between some of these ridges and, and getting pushed right into my face. And so like, wind is perfect. I got fresh sign. I've got exactly what I was looking for. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, it, it was, the wind was actually perfect right there. It was blowing right up out of that bottom. Perfect. Well, kind of going a little bit more into the hunt, at what time did that buck, that buck show up? And by the way, did you see any other deer in that hunt or is that the only, the only deer you saw? It was the only deer I seen. I say four four forty five, but where I was hunting, I think I got switched over to Georgia time. Um, and so I'm thinking all of my footage, my video time stamps are an hour ahead. Um, and so I, I'm, once I started really thinking about it, I'm pretty sure, uh, he was shot at 345 and not 445. Wow. He's up early. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Tim, that's what I was about to get to for you, for you stopped me. Uh, <laughs> so, so what, so once I got sat down and I had been sitting there for a while, I knocked my tripod over, but I knocked the camera, the camera and, and, and my phone kind of fell into this, uh, you know, like I said, I just sat on the ground. I had one of these little mesh, uh, camouflage, you know, netting things. So I had, I knocked my, my tripod over and so when it fell into that net i was like oh crap and so i hit two because it kind of it didn't really make a like a thump or anything anyway it just kind of ruffled the leaves a bunch so i was like oh crap so i hit my grunt uh twice and actually just did my can a little can bleed uh just trying to kind of make it sound like it was a deer there rather than just you know just me dropping my tripod <laughs> and so uh you know i hit these two grunts in that bleat and got my camera set back up and hit film and four minutes later is where i see the, the deer stand up you know where he was bedded down that's when i when i when i i didn't see him then i think he had already he'd already started grazing uh browsing a little bit before i seen him but on the video, it was four minutes after I hit record. Um, he showed up, or I seen him, and it probably it probably took him because uh, I didn't know what it was. I just seen there was a deer down there, and so I was hunting. You know, I had my crossbow. Once I put my scope on him, all I seen was rack, and I never moved. I mean, my that that crossbow stayed to my eye for about eight minutes um without me moving a muscle i mean you when you listen to the video you don't even hear me breathe like i don't think i took a breath what felt like <laughs> in those eight minutes that i seen that rack and uh you know it was a bit of a long shot uh it's not a shot i probably would have normally taken but i knew it was sighted in for that distance and so you know i felt confident with it and uh but what I didn't feel confident about was him coming any closer um, because of the way he was kind of coming over the end of this, uh, this ridge point. I just kind of felt like he was going to just cross right over and not come up to me. And so uh, once he, you know, I had, I, I had kind of already made a decision once he was standing behind a, a pine, uh, you know, I had already decided if, if, if he steps out behind this pine and gives me a shot, I'm going to take it. And, uh, and I did. It was, it, and it, it, 
you know, I put it right on the sweet spot and it ended up actually hitting them, hitting them pretty low. And, uh, uh, we had almost no blood. It was a miracle we even found them. So, uh, what was that? What would the hit, what did the hit end up being like? I mean, did you get lung, heart or anything? And, uh, did, did you have to get a dog if I remember right? Yeah. So the, the shot was actually, I mean, he, like I said, he has steep terrain. So, I mean, he was, he was almost right up underneath me. Um, so the shot angle was, was low, uh, on this, right. You know, pretty, I mean, it was kind of in the middle of his body, but he was kind of quartering away from me, but it came out right underneath him. So it, it didn't hit any vitals. I think it was just a straight gut shot. You know, we never, uh, there was, there was no blood. Like when I got down there, you know, I waited probably 20 or 30 minutes to, to, to get down there to look once I got to, to the shot spot, you know, there was no blood, there was nothing. And I was like, Oh crap. You know, that was kind of a gut wrenching feeling there. And so, and I went back up, I got, got my, my camera or, you know, my phone and I, and I, and I was sitting there watching this replay and slow, you know, frame by frame, just watching an arrow, watching the deer's, you know, movement. And I'm sitting there like, I hit that deer. I know I hit that deer. And I went back down to that spot and I'm, I'm talking about my arms, stretched out and i'm looking at the arrow path and i'm like all right but there's a thump in that video so if i didn't hit him what did i hit and so you know i turn around i'm kind of you know kind of walking walking the path of what i think the arrow would have been and right there i see it stuck in the ground and it's got blood on it and that's when it hit me like that's when the adrenaline was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome and derek so you were able to get a dog you, you were able to locate him which was awesome you sent us some photos and dude again i was super pumped for you when you got him because how, is that now is that the biggest buck you've ever killed on public land that's the definitely the biggest deer i've ever harvested ever killed ever had a shot at an opportunity to harvest um, oh, nice. public private uh you know and i still i didn't know i mean i knew he had a good rack um you know i mean i you know i seen four on one side it's like i'm taking them and uh you know look good not i don't have the the best scope it's just a cheap barnet crossbow and uh so i mean it's it's pretty cheap scope on it so uh, and I don't even think I had it zoomed in very far. Uh, and so, I mean, I knew he was a good rack, but I didn't know he was, you know, as good as he ended up. You know, I definitely didn't get ground shrinkage. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so the, the track, uh, was, was interesting. Um, that was, uh, probably the hardest track I've ever put in. Um, you know, I think any other deer, I probably would have called it. Um, uh, but, you know, I wasn't giving up on this one. Um, we called in, a, uh, we called several people. Um, I, I really didn't want to put, I, I've, I've trained my, my German shepherd. He's uh, almost, uh, he's like three and a half. And so, I mean, I've trained him from the day I brought him home to track, but you know, I still like, wasn't that confident in him. And, uh, you know, so I really wanted to bring in, you know, an experienced, uh, tracking dog, but I just couldn't get anybody out there. And so ended up putting my dog on him and, uh, and he just was acting funny the whole, the whole time I had him out there. It was, he just, you know, it's, uh, he, 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 I mean, he ended up, we ended up about a half mile from, from the shot, uh, in the creek, I ended up finding two drops of blood. Uh, it was about one o'clock in the morning, and at that point, I, you know, I was beat. I was tired. Uh, I found the blood, two drops of blood. I was like, "He's hit. He's hurt. I just got. He just needs to lay down and die." So, 
we backed out of the woods and um well i say that my dog lost trail really kind of after that and uh so at that point i was like yeah we're just just back out i need to get some sleep we'll come back out here in the morning um which i pretty much went home and i was so excited i really couldn't it was like three o'clock by the time i got home and really couldn't even sleep i was back out there at you know at 7 30 in the morning so it was pretty much just brought my dog home and then went back out there but uh um called in uh called in a friend of mine and uh you know fresh set of eyes to come out and help me and uh you know never did find any more blood i mean it those two drops in the creek uh on a rock were the only two drops of blood that we found and you know, I knew that given the terrain was extremely steep on, on both sides of this Creek. And I kept thinking he's hurt. He he's hitting, he's hurt and he's not going to run uphill. He's going to stay in this Creek. And, uh, so we just started walking the Creek. Um, and I'd say about a mile down, uh, there was a fork in the Creek and it, it, it kind of split, you know, I went left and he went right. I made it about a hundred yards, you know, down my way. And, you know, I hear him hollering and I'm like, what? He said, I found him. And I'm like, yeah. And I don't think I've ever ran so fast in my life. Oh yeah, man. That's a good feeling running through the woods. You're like hurtling bushes, just like running. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, once I actually got up to him and, and seen the caliber, you know, just, man, oh, it was, uh, it, it was it was an awesome feeling and uh it, it was man that was uh because I, I really i didn't i didn't know he was that good and and i don't know what he'd score you know i mean he may be tiny to some folks but man he is uh you, you know that's a once in a lifetime buck for for somebody like myself oh man i i hear that i'm I I can't wait to get one of those stories of my own, man. I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very jealous. But congratulations. That is that is an awesome hunt, man. I'm glad that we could play a small part in helping you figure it all out. Yeah, and Derek, uh just I mean, Well I was gonna say to kind of wrap up everything, I, I want you I'm trying to think how we need to how do I want to wrap this up. What would be of everything that you've learned, okay, just as kind of a recap of everything that you've kind of learned from the show and kind of applied, what is the most important thing that you've learned that you would recommend people to pay attention to? Well, you got to get out and scout, first of all. Um, you know, you got to put the boots on the ground if you're going to hunt public land. It's 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 not easy. It's, it's hard, but, you know, they're there. You just got to get out and find them. Um, you know, I would say the best advice that I got from, from, you know, early on was, uh, you know, when you, you got, you got to shrink these properties down and, uh, you know, pick, pick out an area and, and, and really learn it. Um, and that's, you know, that was, you know, what helped me the most. Um, you know, of course I, I spend a tremendous amount of time, you know, with, with boots on the ground and just getting out and hiking, uh, you know, I'd say I probably, I, I hiked well over a hundred miles this summer of, you know, just on this one specific WMA, a, a buddy of mine, uh, you know, hunted with me recently. He said, I love hunting with you, man, but I'm not hiking back down there again. And my first thought was well, good. Cause nobody else is either. Then that's where I need to be. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Really, I mean, I don't. I, there's nothing that 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 I've learned that hasn't already been 
been said on, you know, these, you know, some of these, you know, man, these, these legends in my book, you know, I mean, these guys, you know, I'm, I want to, you know, I want to be one of those guys one day, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning and, and, uh, you know, I'm putting all the pieces of the puzzle together now, but, um, you know, just like I would tell anybody that would, would ask me is, you know, you, you just got to scout, like you've got to get out there and you got to look for those recent signs and, uh, you got to learn, you, you got to learn to adjust, um, with, what the what's going on you know if if the food sources are changing you know then you need to change with it um you know if if it's uh you know there's some areas that you know i may hunt specifically during rut you know and and i think i don't know who it said but you know uh, these thermal hubs you know because these deer will come through there and scent check uh that was one thing that you know, helped me more than anything, uh, was, was, was learning these, these terrain features and learning how deer are using these, these, these different terrain features. Um, that helped me the most. Excellent. Well, uh, Derek, man, we appreciate you coming on, dude. It's been awesome to kind of hear your story and anybody that wants to listen to that episode that you're talking about with uh, the thermal hubs and social hubs and stuff. That was episode actually 141 with Josh Driver. We've actually had him on a few different times. Uh, and I can't, I think it's 141, 149. His last episode from the summer, I think it's 173. But uh, those are fantastic episodes. And we've had other guys like yourself, uh, Derek, that's had a lot of success with those episodes. And I'll be honest, a lot of the uh, listener success stories that we've had over the last year, a lot of them have come from that episode talking about paying attention to the different terrain types and these thermal Diversity. hubs and the diversity it's it's unreal man but Derek, to kind of wrap us up man i just want to thank uh say thank you uh for coming on the show and best of luck for you uh tagging out for the rest of the season man thank you guys for having me on and uh it, it was this great experience so yeah, i'm gonna keep listening you guys y'all keep doing what you're doing Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the 
case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.